What's up, Vine family and anyone else listening in? I wanted to just give a short disclaimer before the start of this podcast. Uh, This is a podcast interview with Dr. Peter Orr, who teaches at a seminary in Sydney, Australia, and he wrote a book called Fight for Your Pastor. And basically, it's just a a book that helps congregation members um, seek to be a blessing to their pastor. And you'll hear us kind of break down the different chapters and what he means by what he writes in each chapter in the interview. But I just wanted to give a short disclaimer. I, I'm not like passively, aggressively uh, like publishing this podcast because I feel some lack from um, members of the Vine Church in treatment of me or anything like that. Um, I just thought it's a very interesting very interesting uh, book for Christians in general to think about how to relate to pastors in the local church. And I just want to be clear, though, that like I'm content with what I'm paid. I'm content with the amount of encouragement I have. So many of you encouraged me so well. Um, and but I did want to want to add like you should listen to this podcast not just from the perspective of me, because I'm not the only pastor at the Vine. Um, we have a lot of different leaders, male and female, at our church. Um, and so I think I would just commend the things that we talk about to be thought of more in that kind of frame of mind. Like, how does this apply to my city group leader? How does this apply to uh, the elders broadly? How does this apply to Jackie as director of operations? Um, any, basically any leaders. Um, it's, uh, it's just really good stuff that will promote encouragement, perseverance of those that are, are leading. And so I, I just want you to hear it that way and just want to make sure you weren't feeling like I was seeding some subtle message because I'm disgruntled or something. Cause I, I'm not, and I love being a pastor at the vine and, and I feel, um, encouraged and thankful, um, by the congregation that is humble and teachable and listens well. And so enough said, here goes the podcast. Welcome back to the Vine Conversations podcast. Uh, it's a joy to welcome Dr. Peter Orr to our podcast. And uh, he currently lives in Australia, where he is a teacher uh, of New Testament at a seminary. Um, and so, Dr. Orr, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, tell us about your... Um, Maybe your your life, your family, and your career, just so we can get to know you a little better. Yeah, so I currently live in in Sydney, uh, but originally from Northern Ireland. Um, So I grew up in a very loving family, but unusually for Northern Ireland, not not a church-going family. Uh, So became a Christian in part uh, through being uh, teased at school for not going to church, uh, which you know, is, is sort of unique, given the, the context of Northern Ireland in the 80s, you know, most of my friends were going to church. So a bit of peer pressure. Uh, anyway, you know, became, you know, in, in God's kindness, became a Christian. And um, 
yeah, you know, the, the, the usual sort of ups and downs of the Christian life. Uh, met my wife, Emma, uh, who's from uh, Australia, from Sydney, when she was in London and I was uh, living in London working. Uh, we got married and we, we served together at a, a church in, in London for a few years uh, before we sort of fe- felt, um, yeah, the Lord leading us to, to study, for me to study uh, theology. So we returned to Sydney and uh, studied at more more theological college and uh, i uh, spent some time after after uh more uh doing a phd but then uh returned to to more uh where i'm teaching today so um yeah uh, teaching new testament uh, which is a, a real joy uh, emma and i have uh four sons kind of from ages 19 uh, down to 13 so we're sort of in a in a phase of life with uh, teenage boys at home and yeah. you know, our food, our food bill is very high and uh, <laughs> a lot of testosterone flying around. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm very thankful to, to God and you know, his, his kindness over many years. Well, that's great. And, and you've written a book called fight for your pastor. And um, that really caught my eye uh, probably selfishly because I am a pastor, but um I'd love to just hear from you. What what inspired this? I would imagine there's some stories that um, connect to your desire to produce a volume mm-hmm. such as this. Yeah, I mean the first thing to say, and, and a few people have made this joke uh, that the four is is important. Uh, you yeah. know, if you take the four out of the title, it'd be a very <laughs> right. different volume. You know, fight your pastor. Yeah, maybe yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll write a follow up volume, yeah. uh, but. Uh, uh, I studying at, at, at more um, more college. We, at, at, the terminology is slightly different in Australia, so it's a theological college, which would be the equivalent of a seminary in in the states. Okay. And so we're training we're training men and women for uh, you know, a wide range of ministries, but you know, uh, including a lot of men who go on to be uh, senior senior pastors, assistant pastors. Um, and you know, I've got to know students over the years I've, I've been there for almost 10 years and my own friends my own kind of uh time of studying so i know a lot of pastors and you know i i have maybe a little bit more of an inside understanding of the the kind of pressures uh that that pastoral ministry brings that sometimes as congregation members we're not aware of and I, I thought, you know, seeing seeing those pressures, seeing seeing my friends and the, the things that they they face, I thought, well, you know, as a seminary professor, I can write a book um, that isn't going to sound self-serving. You know, sure. if a pastor writes a book, sort of saying you need to kind of care for your pastor, it, it can it could maybe sound a bit self-serving. But you know, I, I think I, I was positioned to to write it, and basically, I just wanted to write a book that um, encouraged congregation members to intentionally care for their pastor. And I think that word intentionally is important because I think most of us, if we're not causing trouble or we're sort of just kind of saying the odd encouraging word, you know, we, 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 we think, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's all, all we're doing. But the, the book is to try and think about, help us to think about how we can relate yeah, much more in, intentionally and, you know, uh, encourage, uh, our pastors in, in their ministry. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. And 
Man, I would just love to, I don't usually do this when I interview an author, but I'd love to just walk through um, the table of contents and have sure. you kind of unpack what you mean by each one of these words. Cause it's, it's structured in such a simple and helpful way. Uh, chapter one, fight chapter two, encourage chapter three, listen, chapter four, give chapter five, forgive chapter six, submit and chapter seven, check. If it's okay, I'd love to just walk through those words and have you unpack what those mean to you in terms of, um, in terms of what does it mean to fight for your pastor or to seek, I, I would imagine another way for you to frame this would be to seek the health and the perseverance yeah. of your pastor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So when yeah, you say sure fight, thing. when you say fight, um, what's, what's the mindset? What are you trying to get, a, get, get at in that first chapter? Yeah, so by fight, I mean, um, you know, spiritually fight for, and, and really it's, it's the idea of praying for your pastor. Yeah. The, the problem is, um, you know, if you just say pray, we, we, we kind of so easily slip into general, you know, uh, Lord bless, bless my pastor. I mean, that, that's, that's not a bad thing to pray. That's a good thing to pray. But trying to th- help us to think, well, what, what are the kind of things that my pastor uh, might be struggling with that I could pray for him. Sure. And so, um, yeah, it's just a bit of a reflection of the, um, you know, the particular uh, pressures that the pastor might be facing and how we can, uh, how we can pray for him. In, in working on the, the chapter, I was really struck uh, by the example of the Apostle Paul. You know, we, we kind of think of the Apostle Paul as a super Christian. You know, right. He's got it all sorted. Right. Um, but particularly the beginning of two Corinthians, second Corinthians, he, um, you know, he's, he's struggling and he sort of says, you know, I, I got to the point where I despaired of life itself. That's right. You know, and in, in my experience, sadly, I, I know a number of pastors who sort of got to that point. Yeah. Wonderfully in, in, in uh, you know, Paul's case, the, the, he says, you know, the Lord delivered me. But then it's what he says next is really striking. He says to the Corinthians, you, you must help us by prayer. So here's this kind of uh, quote unquote super Christian who's sort of seen the Lord's deliverance, but he's asking the Corinthians to keep praying. for him. And so if Paul needs prayer for his ministry, how much more do, do our pastors need, uh, need prayer? And then when you look at what Paul asks prayer for, it's quite a quite a wide range uh, of things. And so I just kind of collected a few, uh, you know, things that we could be praying actively for our pastor, you know, for his marriage, for his kids, if he has them, for health, uh, for, you know, wise use of technology, devoted to the scriptures, love for the saints, faithful in evangelism, you know, all, all those sort of things. And again, just to, to think more intentionally about what we can pray for our pastor. Yeah. And I, I think I would add to that, Peter, um, the weight of decision-making. Yep. And that's one of the things yep. that I, they never talk to me. I mean, so many things you say, I never learned this in seminary, yeah. but, but I, I, you know, like you never really know, I think I'd say it like this, the way I describe it to many people is when I was in my twenties, I, you know, aspired to eldership. And I think deep down, I just kind of wanted to sit at the big boys table. Cause it felt kind of cool to, to have yeah. some authority, you know? Yep. And, um, and I was just writing to some of our leaders today as we're thinking through some, you know, some decisions that we have to make, uh, writing, writing to our elders, like, and I just said, you know, brothers heavy is the crown. And, yeah. um, and, 
if you hold leadership, there's a weight there that's hopefully in a godly, humble environment, you're not getting a rush off of being in control and making decisions that have consequences, but you tremble at that. Yeah. And, and, and I know, and I know that we do, um, but it's, you know, we make decisions that sometimes you don't have a Bible verse for, and you know, there's going to be consequences for those decisions and, and you're not omniscient. Only yep. God is omniscient. And so by faith, you make decisions yep. that are going to have consequences. And at the same time, indecision is also a decision. Yeah. And, and so as I've gotten older in ministry, I'm 47 now. Um, that's been the thing that I find I, I just need prayer for the most. And yep. thankfully, we have a real healthy elder culture. So I don't make these decisions by myself. Um, I'm one of the elders. Um, but, uh, man, just Lord, we don't want to screw it up and we don't want yeah. to, we don't want to screw up people's lives because sometimes yeah. our decisions affect, affect people's lives and we're just a yeah. small church and we don't have some grandiose, you know, we're not the president of a nation or anything like that, but still yeah. it's, yeah. if you take God's, um, call seriously, like in first Peter five of, of what it means to be an elder and not domineering, but an example uh, and you take that seriously, like you don't want to just make decisions willy nilly and, and, and fail to glorify God and fail to lead a church into flourishing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, coupled with that is sort of any decision you make, uh, you know, you can't, can't please all the people all of the time, um, right. you, you know, and, um, that, that kind of, you, you know, you're going to make, you're going to disappoint some people, um, right. you know, whatever decision you make, and and for some some pastors that that weighs on them. That sort of you know, that, um, yeah, you, you you're kind of stepping into conflict with whatever decision you make. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're um you're trying to pick the least bad decision. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think the other one that comes to mind just from as you mentioned Paul, and I think of him writing to Timothy to watch his life and doctrine closely. And how those two are so important, like the teaching, we can't do false teaching. We can't get off track with our doctrine, but my life can't get off track either. Yeah, 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 absolutely. To, to have people praying, uh, for us as elders or, or for whoever's listening to this podcast, um, wherever they may be, like that's, that's another one I think is, is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So chapter two is encourage. Um, yeah. what's the, what's the, what's, what's at the forefront of your brain when it comes to encouraging a pastor? Yeah. I mean, scripture commands us, uh, 1 Thessalonians five eleven, encourage one another and build one another up. You know, so as Christians, we're commanded, um, by God's word to encourage one another and, you know, one another includes our pastor. And again, just this mindset shift, we kind of think, well, it's the pastor's job to encourage me, but no, yeah. you know, you, you have a responsibility to encourage, um, you know, encourage your pastor. And so in this chapter, I sort of, I look at the two sides of encouragement. Um, there's the negative side, which is not uh, engaging in ungodly criticism. Yeah, there is a place for kind of critique. Yeah, um, for sure. But this kind of complaining, which we so easily, we so easily fall into. Um, so, um, you yeah, know, I have a quote from a, a, a pastor 
uh, most other people don't have criticism of their job performance sent to their wife, you know, yeah. which is quite revealing. Um, yeah. And so just thinking, you know, uh, do I really need to criticize? Do I really need to raise this? So that's the, the kind of negative side. But then the positive side is um, trying to be yeah, more intentional in, uh, you know, thanking and, uh, in, you know, encouraging the pastor. Again, we sort of, we fall into this default of if everything's okay, we don't say anything. If things are bad, then we say something. And so right. we only ever speak when things right. are bad. Right. Whereas trying to get this culture of intentionality, you know, I'm going to send a message. It's, we, communication is so easy. Just send a text message and say, thanks, you know, thanks for the sermon this morning. You know, your second point really spoke to me or that's a passage I've never really understood. And the way you explained verse three was so helpful. Just being intentional or sending a text message and saying, you know, I, I know that's busy time for you. Just wanted to know we're praying for you, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. How would you counsel someone to think through when it's time to offer uh, a word of critique to their pastor? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think, I think, um, I think be, be slow. Um, um, you know, you're, you're one, one person. Um, yeah, just be, be, be slow, be wise, be, be thoughtful. Um, I guess it just, yeah, be, 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 be careful. I think often criticism comes out of frustration. Sure. Frustrated. Um, and then when, when you communicate, uh, out of frustration, that can be, um, yeah, that, that's, that's ungodly and unhelpful. So just, uh, think, pray, um, and then the way that you communicate, um, yeah, you, you've got to be careful how you communicate, you know, so that the angry email at 11 o'clock at night, probably not going to be the best, the best way to communicate, you know, what you want right. to say. Or like right yeah. after he's done preaching or something, he's exhausted and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I read somewhere, um, even 20 years ago, you know, the preacher would get, um, you know, might get a, some feedback on their sermon, you know, the middle of the week. Whereas now, you know, you can uh, you can text the preacher as he's preaching. I'm, I've heard of that actually. You know, yeah. preachers being being mess, uh, a uh, you know cell phone message uh, as they um, you know as they're preaching, saying this is kind of terrible. So you know, you get done from preaching, you check your phone, and you know, you got this message saying that was a dud sermon. Yeah, that's just utterly inappropriate. And yeah, you know, utterly utterly inappropriate. And I think we. Um, We've got to, yeah, I think we've got to, you know, there are areas where pastors have got to grow up, but as congregation members, we've got to grow up sometimes in how we relate to our pastor. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. And I don't know any pastor that I respect that that um, isn't open to criticism. I mean, it's just normal yep. Christian behavior, I think, is yep. we want to do things with gentleness and humility, yep. but also truthfulness and... yeah. And the tone of voice is important and the timing is important. Like you said, like Saturday yeah. night when he's thinking about, you know, the next day is kind of a big day, you know, might not be the best time for a phone call. Yeah. That's, yeah. but, and, and, and I would ask yourself, what's, what's, what's my pattern of communication to my pastor? 
you know, it, I, I don't want to say if you haven't kind of spent time encouraging, you don't have the right to criticize him. But I just want you to pause and say, let's, let me just think over the last year, what's my communication to my pastor been? Oh, you know what? I, I have barely spoken to him. So am I now going to kind of land him with this? Or across the course of the year, you know, I've been encouraging. I've told him where I thought he's doing really well. Then your criticism, apart from anything, is going to be kind of purged more uh, with more weight. Because, okay, totally. this is someone who's really, you know, on side and behind the ministry. And so his concerns are going to be, um, I'm going to hear them much more. Yeah, yeah we, we've talked about this uh, around here as like the, the idea of deposits and withdrawals. Yeah. And, yeah. And, a, and a word of critique is a withdrawal. Yeah. But if we've if we have money in the bank, um, yeah. we're not going to bounce relational checks. You know, <laughs> no one uses checks anymore. But you know, uh, but people still know what I mean by that. Yeah, yeah. But 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 yeah, I said that in a sermon recently where it's like, because I think it was a sermon on church discipline, and I just pleaded with our people like, man, if we are a culture of encouragement, just in general, where the norm is just we encourage each other. Our, our default setting, our knee-jerk reaction has been we encourage each other. When we come with a word of critique, it can it can um, be heard so much probably easier because I'm drawing on this backdrop and this history of, man, I know that Peter loves me or I know that so-and-so yeah. loves me based on how they yeah. encourage me. Yeah. They're, they're on my team. They're not out to get me based on actual evidence, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So again, this is what a, a, a pastor writes in the book. Uh, most people in a church don't realize that in general, the ministry team only hears negative feedback. When things are going okay from a member's point of view, uh, often people you know, don't think to, to communicate. But when something doesn't please, the feedback comes quickly. Yep. And you know, sadly, that's the experience of, of too many pastors. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, and and you know, you're only hearing feed, you know, negative feedback. It, it's just... You know, I, I, for different pastors, that weighs very heavily. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I want to go on record saying that, like, uh, for people at The Vine, I, I do yeah. feel encouraged. I do. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And That's this wonderful. Like, yeah, and, and there's so many people that uh, encourage me and our elders and city group leaders really well. And um, so I, I am really thankful for that. Um, the third one is listen. What does it mean yeah. to listen as you fight for your pastor? It, it means recognize that under God, they've been given uh, the responsibility of preaching the word. And, you know, they've worked hard on preparing the sermon. So we should be diligent in how we kind of listen to God's word preached on a Sunday morning. And, um, you know, this is, this is a chapter that I, I as I worked on it, felt and still feel rebuked, you know, you can easily turn up on a Sunday tired and, you know, your mind drifts, but to prayerfully, uh, you know, engage with the sermon and uh, even, and, you know, this wouldn't apply to you, Zach, but even if the preacher's not preaching the greatest sermon, you know, you, uh, <laughs> you know, you still sort of have a responsibility to honor God and honor your pastor by, by listening carefully and, you know, prayerfully, and uh, yeah, that's just a very important spiritual discipline. I think, you know, when we think of the spiritual disciplines, we tend to think of them as individual, you know, my quiet time, prayer, my right. evangelism, but actually listening to the sermon is a very important spiritual discipline. Yeah. And I, and I find um, in our fast paced technological society of instant gratification through YouTube or, or whatever, 
um, man, I, I feel like even to myself, like my, my attention span yeah. may be not what it once was. And so yeah. how much more do I have to fight to concentrate yeah. on a Sunday morning as I'm hearing God's word preached? Like I'm, that's yeah. not lost on me. I don't preach every Sunday. And so I sit and receive preaching yeah. from other elders at the church and, uh, staff pastors. And uh, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Chapter four, give. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is, this is the idea of being generous, um, uh, in, in supporting, uh, the ministry of our church, you know, the pastor, the wider ministry. And again, um, just, just having the attitude um, that, you know, we, we are, um, you know, we're giving to support the ministry. We're not, um, you know, the, the pastor is not our kind of servant that we're paying, you know, and, and, and it's just kind of thinking about uh, giving in a, in a, in a biblical sense. And I, I, again, I've got some sort of stories of, of um, pastors who, you know, had their pay reviewed and, um, you know, the elder board afterwards said, oh, you know, if you'd pushed hard, you know, you hadn't reached the limit that we were willing to give you. And, that, and it's just that kind of mindset, again, where we're bringing the world's mindset into the into the church. And so I think I think the principle should be we should be as generous as we can be. And, you know, if the pastor feels that he's receiving more than he needs, then we trust him to be generous in return in, in, in you know, what, what yeah. he does with his money. So I think that the principle of, of generosity and um yeah trusting god um yeah and and not sort of being um you know thinking that we need to kind of um protect the pastor from uh from greed you know that's a temptation all of us face but it's kind of could be a bit galling when a when a pastor sort of hears a congregation member say you know well we're not you know we don't want to increase your pay too much because we don't want you to become sort of greedy and worldly and oh by the way we're not going to be there on sunday because we're taking the yacht out um you know, you know that i mean that's a kind of yeah. silly example but you know that that's the sort of I've, I've heard pastors sort of say yeah um you know people are kind of very tight with their money towards the church and yet they're very kind of uh liberal in how they spend their money on themselves and their families yeah it's tricky you know like um because there's no bible verse that says you know, pay your pastor this much. Um, there's lots yeah. of factors that are contextual and, you know, I, I don't, I'm glad I don't obviously oversee, um, what I'm paid. And I heard an article or I'm sorry, I read an article many years ago that I thought was a great idea. Cause there's certain churches that might be small. Um, they just don't have a huge budget and they, they want to do the best they can, but they just might not be able to pay their pastor. Maybe he has to be bivocational or something. Yeah, uh, for yeah. a season, um, we were bivocational when we first planted the church here for a season. And uh, but this article just commended: um, if you can't pay your pastor uh, financially, maybe it's like uh, be more liberal with vacation time, yeah, or yeah. or something like that. That that also is a blessing, you know. That's yeah. not necessarily yeah, yeah, yeah. dollars, but it's it's definitely going to add to the encouragement and perseverance of your pastor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and sort of it's, you know, give, yeah, primarily financially, but I think, yeah, be generous, uh, be generous with your time, be generous. Um, it's just having a stance of, of generosity towards our pastor. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's really good. Uh, chapter five is forgive. Yeah, so the chapter forgive is recognizing that there are um, there are serious situations uh, that need to be dealt with formally, and that that's kind of a later chapter. Uh, but they're just the sort of relational dynamics where, and this is true of any relationship, whether it's a marriage or a friendship, um, where you know we we do things to each other that are you know not right, but they're not the sort of big ticket things that kind of need you know formal investigation. Yeah. But it's just you know we 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 forgive one another. Um, you know the the um, you know the careless word. Um, yeah, there's a place for calling it out, but often, you know, as, as, as Peter says, you know, we, we kind of overlook sin. Um, you know, that's not a theology of atonement, but that, that, that is just, it's common sense in relationships. We, we just got to forgive. We've got to move on. And so again, having that generous stance towards your pastor who will let you down, um, who will do things that, you know, you're frustrated about and, you know, not, not everything, um, needs to be called out and you just need to forgive and, and move on. And again, I, I um, yeah, I, I think, you know, talking to, to, um, to friends who are pastors that are often, yeah, they, they, they'll put their hand up and say they make mistakes, but the way that people respond is, um, yeah, they find very hard because there is, you know, there's no forgiveness um, and, and, you know, it breeds, it breeds bitterness um so yeah just trying to think um as as we should in every relationship you know we need to have that basic stance as you know as paul says be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another yep. uh, as god in christ forgave you and again to underline i'm not talking about the sort of you know the the, the kind of big big ticket items that we you know we, we i do deal with late, later it's just that um you know, you, you send an email to your pastor and he forgets to reply or, right. you know, he's a bit he's a bit distracted on a Sunday morning. Those are the sort of things we just have to it's just life relationships. And again, we've just got to be realistic in how we, we, we love one another. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. The next one is uh, submit. Yeah, I mean, submission, you know, is there submit? Is that is there a is there a more dangerous word in our you know contemporary <laughs> contemporary culture? Yeah. And uh, is there a word that is more fraught with kind of difficulty? Would you um, say it's the same in in where you live in Australia as it might be yeah, in the United States? Yeah, I think so. So, we, you know, living in Sydney, you know, it's a big metropolitan city. I think, we, you know, the world we live in, there are differences, but you know, we, I, I think we wrestle with a lot of the same kind of uh, issues that you would in, in the States. Maybe the, the kind of context or the specifics are a little bit different. Sure. Um, I, I think, you know, people, we, we read God's word and we read, you know, submit, um, you know, Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. And instantly we think, yeah, but what about, what about, what about? Exactly. And I think that's the wrong way to go about it. You know, this is God's good word. God knows what he's doing. Um, submission is appropriate. Uh, for us uh, to do, uh, you know, with, with respect to our leaders, um, just as it's appropriate for children to submit uh, to their parents, just as it's appropriate for us to submit to our uh, to our governments, just as it's appropriate for wives to submit to their husbands, and that's the one that kind of you know opens up so so many things. Right. Um, but you know, godly submission is in the context of love, and 
you know, you're, 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 you know, my pastor, um, is a very godly man. Uh, you know, I can see he, he lays his life down for his congregation. You know, I, 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 I know him quite well and I, I see what he does. Yeah, he loves us. He loves us. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna submit to him. I'm gonna submit to his leadership. And, you know, the the misuse of something shouldn't. Um, uh, I think this is an Aristotle quote, which I can never remember, and I'm, I'm kind of mangling it. But you know, the misuse yeah. of something should not, um, you know, negate its proper use. Right. You know, God's word tells us to submit. Now, of course, of course, this can be abused, and For this sure. text has been abused. And texts like it have been abused. And nowhere in scripture does submission mean kind of absolute unquestioning, you do whatever they say right. in whatever relational context it is, whether right. it's the government, where it's marriage, whether it's judge. Not not at all. You know, but in a healthy, loving, functional relationship, it's appropriate for uh congregation members to submit to their leaders. That's yeah. that's just perfectly uh, appropriate. That's the proper running of the, you know, of the church. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in the context, like we talk about often with, with marriage is whether we're doing marriage counseling or premarital counseling, we often talk about if a man is doing his job, um, to lay down, to truly lay down his life for his wife, yeah. um, the word submit isn't as scary. No. I think it's the no. same in the church. If like thinking of first Peter five and elders under shepherds called to be an example, not domineering, or yeah. if you just rattle off the, the qualifications from first Timothy three or Titus one. And if there's elders that are really living those things out, then Hebrews 13, 17, isn't that scary? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we, we just, uh, we, we want to look for those and aim for those kind of um, settings and, uh, you know, relationships rather than the, yeah, the, the kind of the misuse and the, the you know, the, the terrible examples that we all, that right. we all know. Right. Yeah. Right. And then finally, uh, check, like, like, uh, yeah. what does that mean? Check exclamation point. Yeah. So that's the kind of, that's the chapter that's a little bit different. So that's when things go wrong. And by going wrong, I mean, go really wrong. Okay. And, uh, you know, there's kind of malpractice, there's kind of spiritual abuse, what, whatever, you know, and, and uh, you don't need to be reading uh, the internet for too long before you kind of see examples of these sort of things. Right. And it, in one sense, as a congregation member, you know, you're, um, this is the chapter that's kind of got the least to do with you because if something, you know, if the pastor, you know, has, has done something significant, then, you know, it's, it's, it's the, you know, other elders, or if you're in a denomination, it's a denominational authorities. And if it's a criminal matter, it's even the police right. that sort of get, get involved. And so I wanted to put that in because I wanted to just acknowledge, you know, it's not as if, you know, every pastor does, uh, you know, is, is kind of above, you know, above reproach there, there are, and there have been kind of terrible examples of, of, pastoral failure nevertheless you know as as congregation members uh you know we need to pray in 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 those situations and i think we also need to uh and this is very delicate um and you know if a pastor is accused of something uh but denies it um in, in a sense we need to believe that both sides are true at the same time 
until it's resolved. Sure. Um, and and not jump to you know prejudgments, which I think we're not we're not very good at. Sure. And you know the the, the, the chapter again, it's a short chapter, and I know there's much more that could be said. But I try to look at it from both sides, you know, examples where congregation members have really suffered at the hands of a pastor. But then I also look at the case where pastors, and I know um, more than one pastor um, who's been, you know, demonstrably falsely falsely accused, you know. um, So I I talk of one who was, you know, accused, cleared. The accuser appealed to a third-party organization. He was cleared again. Then the, the accuser appealed, you know, wanted to take it to another um, organization and at that point my, my friend just couldn't handle it and, and resigned sure so that there you know that that's a breakdown of process and um you know i i don't want to imply with this chapter that you know okay half the time the pastor's right half the time the pastor's wrong no it's just it's messy it's complex um and it needs kind of clarity but it also needs grace and and Grace during the process, particularly and and after, means you know, pr- praying for our pastors. Yeah, so that that was a difficult chapter to write, um, but um, yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's important. Very very you necessary. Know? You know, nothing is um, potentially more divisive and 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 harmful to the sheep is when the shepherds or the under shepherds are um, failing to live up to the standards that are. That are present, yep. especially if there's no repentance. But uh, exactly to your point, the flip side of a false accusation is yeah, yeah, um, also very, very uh, dangerous in in, yeah. in a society that, um, in hopefully it's, it's, this isn't our church, praise God, but like in a our society at large that is quick to um, accuse, um, yeah. slow, yeah. slow to forgive. Uh, it's just, it's just really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I, I've, uh, yeah, I've, I've wept with people who have been hurt by their pastor deeply, wrongly, you know, hurt by their pastor, but I've also wept with pastors who have been, uh, falsely accused, something that they, they, they just did not do at all, you know, and it's, you know, Satan's work in both cases. Yeah. Yeah. Man, well, this is, um, I mean, it's its a unique book, uh, Dr. Orr, and, and I'm really, really thankful for it. You you have kind of, um, at the end, a couple appendices yeah. that I think are very relevant to the time in which we live. The first one is, what if I differ with my pastor on politics? Yeah. Um, that hasn't been a huge issue at our church that I'm aware of. Um, but there's tension in the air, you know, and it's, you can see it coming in 2024. Yeah. And then appendix two, uh, when and how should I leave a church? What are some of the high level thoughts you have on, on both of those? Yeah. The politics one is, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky. I was, I I wrote it sort of in the middle of, of kind of the, the kind of COVID, uh, you know, everything happening with COVID where there was a lot of division on, you know, vaccination and, um, you know, closing churches. And, yeah. you know, I, I think grace and not making important issues, primary gospel issues and recognizing we might have disagreements um, and still 
to be Christians, you know, whatever we might think of the vaccination, you know, we, we can have we can be we can have strong disagreements, whatever we think about when it's appropriate to close a church or not. Right. Um, uh, you know, so I'm not saying these are unimportant questions, not at all. And and there was kind of, you know, it's complex, um, but just having, you know, grace. Um, and then I guess that does lead into the second, you know, if you, you have strong enough disagreements um, on, on, you know, on, on very kind of important issues, you know, how and why should I leave a church? I actually, you know, I was thinking and working on this. I sort of said some, sometimes I think we make leaving a church, it's going to sound really counterintuitive, but, you know, too big a deal. And, and actually sometimes, you know, the, the kind of clean, clear leave, look, I'm really sorry, but I think it's probably better if we just, if we move on and you're not sinning by doing that. Um, it's not something you should do lightly. Sure. Um but actually, sometimes by staying, you're going to be doing yourself harm potentially, or doing you know the, the church harm. And right. actually, you know, if there's another good gospel Bible teaching church uh, that you can go to, it, it might be better for everyone if you if you move church. And and to sort of just say that's a uh, you know that's a sad reality of you know the fallen world we live in. And you know, ethicists talk about a retrieval ethic. You know, it's not it's never a good thing to leave a church, but actually. If you're going to leave, um, you know, leave well. And sure. um, yeah, so that's um, that's sort of just reflecting on on kind of seeing people stay for years in a church where they're not happy. They're they're miserable and they're kind of making life miserable for everyone else. And right. then they go to another church and they thrive. It's kind of like, well, you know, if you did that five years ago and um, we, we sort of have this idea that leaving a church is the kind of that this is such a big thing and it is but staying in a church and being you know and grumbling and kind of being spiritually you know off center and making life kind of difficult for everyone else that that's also equally a big thing or, right. you know arguably i would say a bigger thing so right, right it's almost it's like you were saying earlier you know the decision you know it's the least worst decision sometimes leaving the church is the least worst decision yeah and yeah. uh yeah yeah, we, we talk a lot about um, never leave a church in silence. That's that's yeah, always yeah. really painful for leaders. Um, just like get, let's have a, a chance to just talk f- first. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that feels like what's most loving. And um, and I know speaking for us, like we don't believe that we're the best church in town. We don't believe that uh, the kingdom of God resides at the Vine Church in Madison. <laughs> um, <laughs> we do believe in what we're doing and what's, I think what's most exciting for leaders is just to feel like they have people uh, that are excited and bought in to what we're doing at this church. That's not to say it's the best thing, but it is what we're doing. And uh, you, I think most pastors would rather have 50 people that are just all in and and ready to go than 200 people that are just kind of lukewarm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and um, so, yeah, it's, I think it's also too that sometimes we just, when we grow and and change as human beings, our preferences sometimes change. We're not talking about black and white sin issues, yeah. but just, there's just different styles and preferences that can, that can morph and change and um, praise God that, you know, 
at least here in Madison, there's lots of great churches you can go to. Now, if you were in some pioneer missions context, yeah, uh, like yeah. our like our friends in Morocco, there is only one church. Yeah, and so that's maybe yeah. a different a different discussion. Yes, uh, yeah. but in for our context, you know, it yes, it's um it's a case by case basis for sure. But yeah, it's, I agree. It's not always the end of the world to leave a church. And, and it's one of my friends just said so well recently, like life's just too short to not be all in with your local church, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and knowing that there's no perfect church. And yeah. as long as everybody's clear on that and your ex- yes. expectations are managed, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, you've probably heard it, you know, if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. <laughs> It's so true. It's so true. Well, Dr. Orr, thank you so much for this conversation. This has really been helpful. I think um, this will really help people um, at the Vine, but also anybody listening that's not at the Vine. I I really hope that this small, short, simple book goes wide and far for the sake of the health of our churches. So thank you for so much for putting the effort into publishing it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, It was uh, great fun to, to talk about these things. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Orr.